Did you know that there are differences between the services provided by in-home care and medical home health providers? In fact, a study by Johns Hopkins shows that about 25 million older Americans rely on some form of home-based services as they age in place. From assistance with activities of daily living to wound care and therapy to regain one's functional status, each plays an important part in the care continuum. Especially for aging services professionals, understanding the difference between these services can help determine the appropriate provider to support an individual's plan of care goals. Hello and welcome to the Comfort Connections podcast. In this episode, Best Practice Considerations, In-Home Care versus Medical Home Health, we are joined by Rebecca Bouchard, Vice President of Operations for Comfort Care Franchise Systems. She will be sharing insights, resources, and best practice considerations for aging services professionals. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here with you and your listeners today. Rebecca, when it comes to developing the plan of care for an older adult at home, in-home care and medical home health may be discussed. Can you please share with our listeners the key differences? Build home health care is a short-term care with clinical emphasis. The focus is typically on rehabilitation and improvement. Skilled home health is covered by Medicare, health insurance policies, and is often driven by physician orders. Nurses, physical, and occupational therapists are examples of individuals that may be providing the care. With non-medical home care, it actually meets the non-medical needs of the end consumer, such as assisting with activities of daily living and companionship. The goal of non-medical home care is to ensure the clients are living as safely and independently as possible in their home. Long-term care insurance policies, VA benefits may cover the cost of this level of care, and many times it is paid out of pocket by the client and their family members. Direct care workers such as certified nurse assistants, home health aides, personal support workers, and companion, companions provide this level of care of the non-medical home care. Thanks so much for clarifying the differences between these services. Now, focusing on in-home care for a moment, what are in-home care agencies and what are the typical services provided? Sure. The goal of an in-home care provider is to really provide an opportunity for someone to stay in their home safely for as long as they choose. This is done by providing a variety of services based on what the needs of the clients are. Some of the services may include companionship, where they just need assistance with some meal preparation, some light housekeeping, maybe taking them to doctor's appointments. Another level of care may be personal care, where they need some assistance with their personal hygiene, helping with a shower or maybe doing a bed bath, helping them get dressed in the morning and undressed at night. There's also respite care, because it's important for family members to take care of themselves. And so with respite care, a caregiver can come into the home. And so a family member, maybe it's a husband or a wife, maybe it's a daughter, Um, they can take some time out of their day to take care of themselves, whether or not they want to go to um, play golf with some friends or to the salon or whatever it may be, a caregiver can come in and provide some respite. Transitions of care is another level of care that is provided, whether it's transitioning um, a caregiver into the home when a caregiver otherwise has not been in the home. It may be a situation where a client was in the hospital and is transitioning back home and we need to maintain their safety and prevent a hospital readmission. Um, There's also some assistance with chronic disease management. Many of the clients that are serviced with in-home non-medical care 
have um, some underlying conditions that they could use some assistance with, whether it's congestive heart failure, maybe they have diabetes and they're having a hard time managing it. Caregivers can go into the home and remind the clients what they should be doing in the home to help manage their own individual conditions. An assessment or evaluation is completed prior to the start of care. This helps to ensure the needs of the clients are met and the right services are in place. Not only is an assessment done on the client, but where the client resides. For example, a home safety inspection is completed and recommendations are made to help prevent falls, such as proper lighting is available around the stairs, area rugs are removed, and things are easily accessible to the clients in their, in their kitchens. The goal, as I had mentioned, is always to keep the clients as safe and independent in their home as long as they choose. How do in-home care providers work with other providers of care? That's a really great question. Non-medical home care companies work with other providers all of the time, um, specifically with skilled home health agencies. If there is therapy being provided in a client's home and there are exercises that the client should be doing in between visits, um, caregivers of, of non-medical home care providers can remind the clients to do those exercises to, and in return is going to help with the outcomes of the, the therapies that are being offered. Uh, we also find that non-medical in-home care providers work closely with assisted living facilities. And the way they do that, some, some individuals, some residents living in assisted living facilities, they may require additional needs that go above and beyond what an assisted living can provide. So an in-home care provider can send a caregiver into the assisted living and provide that one-on-one -on -one care that's necessary to keep their resident as safe as possible and keep them in the assisted living facility. I also find that um, non-medical home care providers, they also work with hospice organizations. Uh, if somebody has inpatient or in-home hospice um, being provided in their home, non-medical home care can be a supplement to that whether or not it is sitting with a client during the nighttime hours so family members can sleep or just making sure that the, the clients are comfortable. Um, if there's a bed bath that needs to be done, um, if they need assistance being fed, whatever that may look like. So it's important for all providers to work together throughout the continuum of care to ensure the safety and success of the clients and the families that they're servicing. These services sound like an excellent way for aging service professionals to ensure the person receives the appropriate services to meet care needs, especially during the care transitions process. Speaking of care transitions, what are some of the most common frequently asked questions by aging services professionals when making a referral to in-home care? There are a lot of questions that are asked when referring a client to in-home care. Um, we also find that clients or family members don't know what questions to ask. And so as an in-home provider, if they're not asking questions that you think would benefit them, it's important to make sure that they're provided with as much information as necessary to make the best decisions for their loved ones. Um, oftentimes they wanna know where care is delivered. When we think about in-home care, people are thinking about where the client is. Maybe it's their home that they have lived in their entire adult life, but it doesn't need to end there. If they're in an independent living community or if they're in an assisted living community, care can also be provided in those facilities. Care can also be provided in a hospital setting or an inpatient rehab center. 
anywhere really where the client is and the family chooses to um, bring care in to help care for their loved one. Some other questions that are asked are um, whether or not a physician's order is needed for the initiation of in-home care services. Physician orders are typically not needed when it comes to non-medical in-home care. It really is based on what the needs of the clients are. Again, we're going back to assisting with their daily activities of living. So anything that you do on a daily basis um, that a client may need some assistance with. There may be some instances when a phys physician's order is necessary, and that may be a situation where somebody was injured on the job and the worker's comp insurance is covering that level of care, or maybe if somebody was in a car accident. So there's a case manager involved. Um, and physicians are involved. That may be a situation where a physician's order may be needed. Obviously, one of the most frequent questions that we get asked is what is the cost of in-home care? And it really does vary based on the needs of the client. Not everybody's needs are the same. We are currently seeing on average around $30 per hour. Now, it may be a little bit higher, it may be a little bit lower, it really is driven by the cost of living in a specific market. And so when the cost of care comes up, they want to know who pays for it, how can we pay for in-home care. Oftentimes, like I had mentioned previously, it is paid for out of pocket by a family members, or it may be paid directly from the client. Um, Long-term care insurance policies also cover this cost of care. And what we find is within long-term care insurance policies, it's defined as custodial care. Uh, so if a client has long-term care insurance, this level of care may be covered. Also with the veterans, um, veterans the aid and attendance program may cover this level of care as well as workers' comp. We are also starting to see some Medicare Advantage policies pay, which provides very small reimbursements for care, but it is a start to see Medicare adjust its model to cover community-based partners. And we're excited to see what's going to come in the future. Thank you for sharing these insights. What are a few key considerations for aging services professionals when selecting an in-home care provider or partner? That's a really good question. Um, really, you want to look at the process to care delivery. Every provider, more or less, is going to provide the ADL care, the activities of daily living care. What separates each is how they structure their care, how they begin care, and the continual oversight and process. Another consideration would be what programs are in place to improve the lives of the clients that they are serving. Are there any programs that support a fall risk management um, situation, or if clients has dementia, what kind of dementia training and dementia programs are available within the home care organization, any type of nutritional programs or even remote patient monitoring. And so it really is going to be dependent on, again, the client and the individual needs of the client and what programs the agency has to support those needs. It truly sounds like having a clear understanding of the plan of care goals is essential when determining the best in-home care provider. Rebecca, please share a few best practices and considerations to ensure a seamless care transition. Sure. In my opinion, one of the most important things, um, and it's uh, an, an, it's an industry term, is a front-loaded high-touch process. It's important to really spend a lot of time at the start of care to truly understand the individual, not just the, what their medical needs are, but as a whole person. So it's really taking a patient-centered approach. 
And so we find that the more time somebody spends at the beginning of care, not just with the family members and the clients, but also with the caregivers that are going to be caring for those individuals, training them specifically on the client's condition will help with the confidence level of the caregiver walking into the home, which also in turn will help with the confidence of the client accepting that caregiver into the home. So starting the case is of utmost importance to ensure a seamless transition into the home. And then once the care starts, those high touch points are extremely important. Constantly keeping in touch with the caregivers, family members, clients, and even referral partners to make sure that they understand that things are going smoothly in the home and the home care provider understands if there needs to be any adjustments made within the home to ensure a high quality of care. It really does start with educating the clients on their condition and or the reason for the care. So engage that person in a conversation and ask what their goals are. We also want to obviously set the client up for success. So in between visits, calling the client, like I had mentioned, maybe even using remote patient monitoring services. It really is all about outcomes and helping an individual get better or simply stay better. We have to bridge the gap between visits. Providers should always look at ways to do this. It's also important to incorporate meaningful activities. Life doesn't end at 82. Focus on doing the activities of daily living care is really important and balance it with activities that can provide meaning and purpose that is important for the clients to help them maintain their level of independence and to improve their quality of life. Thank you for these insights. As we end this episode, please share any additional thoughts for aging services professionals as they consider in-home care for those they are serving. It's really important for aging service professionals to work together. Um, By doing so, it really does provide the best outcomes for the clients and the families that they serve. And so really focusing on what providers within a certain marketplace that a service professional feels comfortable referring their patients, their clients, their residents to, to truly understand that when they do send that referral out, that the best quality of care is going to be provided and the lines of communication are going to to remain open. Listeners, visit ComfortConnections.com to download complimentary resources, view show notes, and access our episodes. You can also subscribe to our podcast on your favorite app. Thank you for listening and helping older adults live the best life possible.